You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Romans 13, starting in verse 8 to the end of the chapter. We're almost to the end of Romans. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to satisfy its desires. Towards the end there, Paul's coming kind of round trip. I mean, at the beginning of Romans, he was calling out the church to not live in worldly-like ways with all the different things that he just mentioned. But at the start... He really hones in on love. And I know that's about the most basic of Christian church messages we could ever preach. And every church believes that it's loving, right? Uh, But the best test as to if you're a loving church is to ask the new people walking in or the people outside what they've heard about you, things like that. Love is the goal. Love is the point. Actually, what Paul just said, if you look at the big commandments of the Old Testament and you go back to the the big ten, really, if you classify the first five, put no other gods before me, uh, worship no idols, things like that, the first five are love God, and the next five are like, don't commit adultery, don't hurt people. The next five are love others. When Jesus comes along and they ask Jesus, like, what is the most important law? What, what, What... captures the heart of everything that Moses ever wrote, Jesus says what? It's love. Love, love, love. That's it. Love is the way. Love is, love is everything. And a lot of times, um, we struggle to understand that. I don't know about you. Sometimes when I read the law of Moses and I'm like, love, huh? <laughs> Some of those laws, like, it doesn't feel as loving as I would think it would be. I don't know what he was saying right here or what, what he meant by this. But the fullness of everything that, that the law is getting at, it's love. And that's what sets Christians apart from the rest of the world. And you know, a lot of times I feel like the rest of the world has tried to grab onto a Christian message, but then worldify it. Can't tell you how many movies, I think Joel can attest to this because we always joke about it. When a movie gets to the end and the answer is like, the fourth element is love. <laughs> you know, it's like, or, or uh, what was the Valkyrian something or other. At the end, we just learned if we loved each other, <laughs> things were, you know, there's, there's always these moments in movies where 
They try to take kind of a gospel message, but then uh, it gets applied either in a cheesy way. Sometimes it hits the point. And then other times it gets perverted along the way as to what exactly love means. And those are the messages that the world often is giving us. Will you listen to our kinds of ways of love? Love looks like this. And if you don't love me exactly like this, then you're not really loving. The Bible calls us into a love that is God's love. And what is God's love defined as? It's God himself. If you want to know what love looks like and you open up the dictionary in God's dictionary of heaven, it's just a picture of him going, hey. (laughs) Just God saying, you want to know what love is, then you got to know me. And a lot of times we try to classify it in a hundred other ways. Love looks like this, love looks like this, love looks like this. But Jesus comes and says, no. Love is defined as God. And when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The way that Jesus looks, he doesn't always seem to look like the Father as sometimes we think about it. Some of us have like an angry glimpse of the Father. Some of us read the Old Testament like, ooh, God's got it bad for us. But then Jesus comes and, and shows us a loving Father. One who wants to pull us up on his lap, hear his heartbeat. One who won't give us a snake if we ask for bread. Such a strange analogy, but Jesus is trying to make the point. Like God loves us to the point that he, he gives us what we need. He doesn't just make it rain on good people. God is so good that he makes it rain on bad people too. He doesn't just love those who love him. That's what the tax collectors do. That's what the Pharisees do. You can bribe them. You can get on their good side. And then they'll show you love. But no, Jesus loved even his enemies. He loved those who hurt him. He loved those who persecuted him. He loved those who didn't care about him. He died for those who murdered him. He turned the other cheek to those who slapped him. He walked the extra mile with those who he didn't need to walk the extra mile with. He kneeled down in the dirt to save those who everyone wanted to kill. He talked with people that no one else would talk with. He broke social norms to love those that people considered unlovely. He let down racism to take care of those that others would say, you can't be around them. He let down sexism to raise up women disciples. And then gave them the news of the resurrection. They're the first apostles. or the first sent ones. Everywhere Jesus went. It was love. It was love. It was love. At any cost. What was that cost? It was to descend, descend, descend. To come from heaven. Make himself lowly on the earth. Prophet said that when he would come, when the Messiah would come, there would be nothing especially attractive about him. He was not necessarily uh, attractive in stature. 
Many people didn't want to live the way that he lived. He was homeless. He was a refugee. But in doing that, he put his place of love with those who have always felt unloved. I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, God constantly said, you got to love those at the bottom. you got to take care of them. This is my word to you through the prophets over and over again. And when we didn't listen, it's like he put on flesh and did it himself. Watch what I'm doing. When you feed the poor, you are feeding Jesus. So feed the poor like you would feed Jesus. When you clothe the naked, you are clothing Jesus. What kind of clothes would you give to someone who doesn't have it? When you visit people in prison, you're visiting Jesus. How many of us have even ever visited a person in prison? When you give someone water, you're giving water to Jesus. Jesus comes and proclaims a kingdom of love, and it's a self-sacrificial kind of love. It's one that if, if we're truly living the kingdom ways, we're going to get messed up. We're going to be offended. Why? Because someone's going to hurt them, and then rather than live in the worldly ways of attacking them back, Jesus is going to say, forgive them. Forgive them. Rather than taking them to court and trying to sue their pants off and get everything that they're worth, Jesus is going to say, forgive them. Forgive them. Rather than try to get vengeance, Jesus is going to say, there's only one person who can handle that, and it's not you. As far as it goes for you, just love them. Forgive them. And then when he leaves, he's going to say, okay, the resurrection body is getting ready to come and it's already started in you now. So I'm sending the Holy Spirit and he's going to go grow fruit in you. And you need to know, first and foremost, the most important fruit that he's going to grow in you right at the top of the list is love. Because you're going to need it. If you truly want to live the Christian life, you're going to need love. And Jesus knew that if we gave in to bitterness, if we gave in to hate, if we gave in to vengeance, if we gave in to judgment and, and all of these other kinds of things, if we gave in to a worldly kind of love that actually wasn't love at all, we would end up hurting ourselves. We would end up oppressed by demons. We would end up afflicted. We would end up hurting. We would end up with every possible sin you could think of. But the entire law had to even be created because people aren't always good at loving. So that's the call that Paul gives us today. This is a guy who was not always loving. This is a guy who was a Pharisee. This was a guy who tried to persecute Christians, got them thrown in jail. Who knows how many that he set up to be led to their death. And then he met Jesus and his life was turned around. And he realized 
Love has always been the answer. So how do we love? We love by acting like Jesus acted. The whole Bible, of course, is God's word and inspired, but I've said it many times, I love to spend a lot of time in the Gospels. Because that particular spot is the clearest revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's nothing else quite as revelationary as seeing Jesus. And we like to draw him up in a bunch of different ways. There's a lot of pictures of Jesus hanging on our inner walls in our spiritual life that aren't right. But if we bring Jesus into those places through the Holy Spirit and we look at those pictures and we listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll start to chisel those pictures, right? He'll start to reform them. Some of them He'll take off the wall completely and toss out the window. This isn't what God looks like. <laughs> There's a bunch of others where you're like, ah, you missed a little smile right here. Why are these eyes so stern? Why do they look like they hate you? Don't you know my Father is love? And so however you come to church tonight, I proclaim over you the message of love because love starts with you. Love your neighbor as what? Yourself. Guess what? If you don't love yourself that much, you're going to struggle to love your neighbor pretty well. I'm that kind of person who gets really down on myself, but can get caught up in uh, worldly thoughts about myself or little demonic messages about myself. I'm the kind of person that when I'm upset with myself, I can stare in a mirror and rip myself apart. I can speak really horrible things over myself. You want to know what God revealed to me this last week? Jamin, one of your biggest problems is that you listen to religious spirits. You think it sounds like me. You think I would say those things. Jamin, you've got to get this right. Jamin, you can be better than this. Jamin, you've got to stop failing. But if you would listen to what I say, what I say all throughout my word, you're my chosen one. I bought you with a price. You are a son of God. You are going to be immortal. You will live forever. Jamin, you are who I say you are. And all those other voices that you're listening to, you're empowering them. You have that problem? Used to be really bad for me. In college, I remember I would, uh, um, well, when I was a kid, when I was really young, just every night, I just get all these horrible thoughts in my head. I would rip myself apart. I would throw all of this ammo at me. Jamin, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you did this. 
yeah, I know. I, I apologized and tried to ask for forgiveness for that every day for the last three years. <laughs> yeah, but you still did it. Okay, I'll apologize again. Because God probably didn't forgive me the last 365 times I did this. I realized, you know what? That's not a voice that I'm supposed to be listening to. But the struggle continued. And at one point, uh, I was in a relationship, and that relationship fell apart. And one of the reasons it fell apart was, uh, from one perspective, that I had not been honest enough. Uh, and that was always one of my problems. Like, I'm never honest enough. i got to be more honest. And so my brain went into a new overload. Jamie, the problems you used to have before, you were never honest enough, and you messed up all these things. You just lost an important relationship all over all that stuff. So you better kick that into overdrive. And so I started listening to a religious spirit all over again. I'm a horrible person. I'm not honest enough. I've got to be truthful about everything. I've got to confess. I've got to be better. God doesn't forgive me. I've got I to gotta try again. I've got to try again. Maybe he'll forgive me this time. So one day I had a teacher who uh, <laughs> uh, was talking about how he was walking through the store one day and the thought came into his head, you know, you should take out that old man in front of you. And he's like, what on earth was that? Like, who, why would I even think that doesn't even match me? And he realized that wasn't my thought. And for the first time, my eyes were like, oh, I, I know those thoughts. <laughs> and for me, they're, they're always thoughts that I should hate myself. From that day on, I started to tell those thoughts to stop. And it didn't work entirely. I got way better at night. I did not get better at it in the daytime. For me this week, it was, Jamin, you have to learn to love yourself better. You have to stop condemning yourself all the time. Jamin, you have literally said to me that God, even if you were to condemn me on the day of judgment, I would still do everything I can to follow you. And God's like, why would I ever condemn someone like that? <laughs> I don't know. I just really don't like myself sometimes. Yeah, you're illogical about it. You're not even listening. You know, it goes away when you remove all of that religious hate towards yourself. A lot of the other things. Because it ends up that a lot of the other things you do are coping mechanisms to deal with how much you hate yourself. What are your coping mechanisms? How do you hate yourself? What are those strongholds that you hang on to because you think it's righteous, but in reality, God's like, I'm not like that. Stop listening to those voices. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If your thoughts don't match that, And you're not listening to a God of love. You're listening to something else. So let's in unison right now give our thoughts to the God of love. And ask that we truly become the church. That we truly become the revelation of Jesus, his body. So when others see us, they might catch a glimpse of the the full revelation of who God is. So God, fill us up with your love. 
such a simple statement, but a lot of us have it twisted. Sometimes we classify love not as you, but as how the world wants us to love, and that's actually a false idol. Love can only really be defined as you. And you are complicated. It takes a while to understand the depths of you. That's the love we give our hearts to. Because we're made in your image, and Jesus is the full image of God, the Bible tells us. So if we can be like him, then we must finally be like love. To be like him, we need to love others. And to love others, we need to love ourselves. So God, I just pray that barriers in everyone's mind in here would break. Wherever it is that they have given over a stronghold to hating themselves, despising themselves, coping with their pain, would they give it to you now for freedom? The sun sets free is free indeed. You are the way, the truth, and the life. In you there is no darkness. There is only light. Teach us to forgive those things that hurt. Teach us to love those things that are broken. Teach us to turn the other cheek. Teach us how to pursue your sense of justice. Teach us to love the unlovable. Teach us to love ourselves. We want to be a kingdom of love for you. So here we are, as Paul calls us, a living sacrifice. May we burn with that love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you are dismissed. We will catch you guys next Sunday, if not sooner. Thanks.